the table with Darlene. Welcome to At the Table with Darlene. We are so glad that you're joining us this evening. We have a really great time together coming up. I believe that this podcast will absolutely change a lot of people's life and give you hope. We have sitting next to me to my right is Tiffany. Hello. And we're so glad, Tiffany, you're here tonight as always. Thank you. We love having you. And sitting next to her is someone that maybe you want to introduce, Tiffany. I'd love to. This is my very good friend, Jennifer. And then next, I'll just, I'll take it from here. Oh, okay. Next to go. her go, is her son, Cole. And next to Cole is Tracy, who happens to be Cole's dad. And then, of course, we have the amazing Chris Norman driving the boat. That's right. And so we're just really glad to have the McFarland family here tonight. And we possibly may have a little young one come in once in a while. Miss Miley may come in and say hi to us. She's uh, doing something else right now. But this family is an amazing family. Like all families, they've been through their stuff. And so tonight we want to start out and we're going to ask Cole to just tell us a little bit about yourself uh, uh, and uh, then we'll hear from mom and dad and then we'll just go from there. Uh, my name is Cole and I am 28 years old. I uh, was a drug addict that struggled with um, heroin, pain pills, um, I grew up in church and I just got lost. I didn't really know what to do with my life and by that point in time it was too far gone. Um, I went to school, I played sports. Um, didn't get in a lot of trouble until uh, I was about 20. I got my first possession. Um, and it was just pretty much trouble after that. Um, I was an IV drug user and it destroyed my life. Um, thankfully, I had a family that supported me all the time, no matter what. I had a family in the church, um, people that were constantly praying for me, um, loving me, never letting me go. And, and here you are tonight telling others about your story. Yes. And I believe that those that have listened so far, they are like, I want to know more. Because co families, every family has some kind of situation. Maybe it's not with drugs. Maybe it's with alcohol. Maybe it's with something else. But everyone has struggles of life. And But one of the things that we have really felt like that God has placed upon our heart here at the table, we want it to be a safe place, a real place, so that people can really be helped. Uh, I, you mentioned a while ago that you grew up in church. And just because we grow up in ch church doesn't mean that we're exempt from problems. 
and situations because we're all very, very real people sitting around this table. But everyone that's listening to these podcasts, they're real people with real situations. And so it takes a lot for you to come in here and voluntarily said, I want to tell my story because I want to help other people that are on a journey very similar to mine or families. And so um, thank you for being honest. And we're going to come back to you in just a moment and because uh, we have lots of questions. And I'm sure that the listeners have questions that they want to know. But uh, Tracy, being dad uh, of this young man, tell us a little bit uh, from your perspective where when you begin to first notice things happening as a parent oh uh, 16 17 is when he is when we noticed that things just wasn't going right you know the school thing was good but some of the friends things he was doing just wasn't going like like we thought it should and then we were at a church for a while and then once you know we got back into church, and it just it seemed like he was starting to go downhill faster than we could than we realized. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, from that, and then once he graduated school, he just different friends, and you know you just never knew where he was at. Mm-hmm. You know, he would have a cell phone. Like physically, he never you didn't answered. know where he was at. No. Not just mentally and Right, emotionally. just everything, yeah. you know. It was stay up all night, wondering where he's, you know. Jennifer didn't sleep at all. And Jennifer is mom, sitting over here. And, and uh, uh, moms and dads, uh, we make that, that whole husband and wife, but we see things from a little different perspective. And from a mama's perspective, when did you first feel like you started noticing and begin to be concerned and um I Cole's always we knew from a very young age he was a follower so we kept our thumb on him okay and once he started driving went to work we didn't have um you don't have as much control you don't know what they're doing didn't know to the extent of what he was doing at that point and it wasn't um it wasn't as we didn't realize how much worse it was going to get i mean it just snowballed from the time he graduated um you know i always say now if i knew then what i know now he would have been a perfect candidate for the military because he needs that structure he needs that accountability mm-hmm. or he did at the time at the time yeah <clears throat> oh it's, it's really interesting because parents are going to be sitting out there I believe or listening as they go you know they travel or whatever and they have teenage daughters and sons and and in their 20s you know we we all have family members very close to us that that are struggling with the same thing Cole that you struggled with as a young man as a as a teenager uh I know you said a while ago you you felt like you begin to see where you know you who you ran around with who you were with more the influence and mom said you're a follower uh, tell us a little bit more if you will about how you felt at that time and um, well I guess 
early on, you know, I, I, I grew up with, you know, uh, what they like to call learning disability. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I let that, like, take complete control of my life. And when it came time to, um, some kids were transitioning out of these learning disability classes, and I just kind of stayed in. Um, and so whenever that, whenever that happened, friends of mine were not, no longer friends of mine. And so, um, you know, I always thought that I needed, um, to be the center of attention, I guess, because, um, I do have a brother, he is blind, and, um, for the longest time, up until actually while I was in prison, that I realized that, um, my brother just needed the attention that he got, you know, it wasn't just something that, um, I thought my entire life growing up that everybody loved my brother more than they loved me, mm -hmm. and then just until a few years ago, was whenever I realized that that wasn't really the case, um, but, so, I always thought that nobody loved me, and, you know, and it just, it went on and on and on, and then, you know, the friends, um, you know, it just, it just kind of all, all fell in place, I was kind of, had a little bit of a reckless behavior, you know, I was, um, mood swings, I acted out, you know, the normal stuff that, you know, kids do, but it wasn't really, um, something that was normal for me, you know, it was something that I did on purpose to just lash out for attention, and then it turned into, you know, hanging out with friends, people that were, you know, constantly around me every day, people that I talked to, and, you know, it was just, um, it wasn't really the friends that chose or, or that I was the ones that was using drugs with because I didn't really, I didn't really like using drugs with other people. Um, but I had a cousin, he is now, um, he's dead. Um, and he had took, he had taken his own life. Um, but me and him were really close. And so, um. And how long ago was that? Six years. six years ago. Six years yeah. ago. It'll That's be six then. About six, okay. And, uh, you know, me and him kind of, we was just side by side. You know, it was everything. If I if I did it, he did it. If he did it, I did it. You know, and they looked really... so much alike, I have to add. <laughs> well, and they're only, they were only six months apart. Mm -hmm. So, they're, so they're you know, we, unfortunately, we made all of our bad decisions together. His, um, you know, life that he had was a lot different than the life that I had and you know I pretty much allowed my life to go into his and his life come into mine and we just chose the same path together that's exactly how it went you know riding motorcycles riding bikes skating doing drugs you know that was that was what we did you know and um but what was the weird part about it is that me and him started doing drugs separately. You know, we weren't doing drugs together until we realized that each other was doing drugs. And then, and that I turned 16 and started driving, and then he turned 16 and started driving, and then that's whenever, you know, we just 
really just the drug addiction got that's when it got real you know that's that's when everything's everything got real and uh is that when you all did you know at that time jennifer or tracy that he was uh, um messing with drugs at that time at 16. i didn't realize it until his senior year so he was so he was 17. but you just knew that behavior had really changed yeah didn't know why um and you know and i i mean i honestly i think that and i i mean i can't speak for other people but i think that a lot of people that turn to drugs i think they have some kind of mental illness and they're trying to fix that and you know we had taken him to the doctor to try to get him on some medication and the problem with that is a lot of times the first one doesn't work but then you have to it has to go out of your system mm -hmm. and the next wait for the next one to work mm -hmm. and when you're struggling like he was there was no wait mm -hmm. so it that just never was he never would stick he with would never stick with it long enough to see if it would work what was the turning point for you, like, the first time that you decided I'm going to mess with drugs? Like, was it a form of escape? Was it because you wanted to have fun? What was um, the rationale for you? Well, it was, it all really started, it was my freshman year of high school. Um, I was kind of, you know, some people don't see it, but, you know, really deep down inside, I really don't like people mm -hmm. I'm not a social person I'm not either um, at all <laughs> but people don't people don't really see that you know people just think oh he's a he's a cute and handsome young feller that you know should just be able to do whatever he wants in life but really that's not that's not how I really feel so um, it was easy for me you know it, it whenever whenever drugs enter into my system I am not that person anymore right. you know I, I can I can come out of my skin and I can talk to people and not really care what anybody thinks, mm -hmm. you know. I'm that person that absolutely cares what everybody thinks, mm -hmm. what somebody thinks about me. And, you know, what's really weird is because if that was really the case, then I would have really cared what people thought about me, you know, because if I didn't care what anybody thought, then... You know, then I would have been all right. But I always cared what people thought, and you would have thought that I would have cared that people thought that you know he's a drug addict, and you know that I would have did something different. But that wasn't the case. the The drugs helped me escape from my own skin and right. and become somebody that I wasn't. You know, and so for years it allowed me to be somebody that I wasn't. You know, and um, and so it kind of just it progressed and progressed. And, you know, it was jobs and, and I worked and I, you know, I was able to, I was able to do all these things because, you know, of my parents, mm -hmm. you know, they always made sure that I had a place to stay, that my phone bill was paid, my car insurance was paid, I always had gas in my car, you know, they was, they call them enablers, you know, people that are constantly allowing you to do the, the things that you did and, you know, when being a parent you really don't think about things like that you know mm -hmm. because you just want to make sure that your your son or daughter is is okay you know so it ended up pushing me into a really bad um 
state of mind. It, it forced me to, um, I didn't answer my phone. I wouldn't talk to him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't nothing, you know. I would just do my own thing. And they was constantly so worried that they just, you know, made sure that my phone was on, you know, made sure that they would be able to contact me if they ever needed to. And, you know, it never really, it never really changed. So, um, you know, it was just... We knew Cole was up to no good when he never answered his phone. Right. That was the sign. That was the sign. Yeah. Cole, when did you have the light bulb moment that said, I'm in trouble? Like, did, did that happen before you were incarcerated? Or was there a moment that you were just like, I've really screwed this up? Well, I mean, there was definitely moments like that, you know. But being an addict and being um, depressed and, you know, we, they, we need help. We need people in our life. We need people to talk to, friends, mm-hmm. family. And whenever you kind of just shut everybody out, that really doesn't you know um but there was rehab after rehab after rehab you know i was probably it was when did you when did you first go the first rehab i was i think i was 20 right before miley was born i went to um i went to cape and miley's your daughter yeah miley Miley? she is seven seven beautiful beautiful daughter yeah you know she's the thing too about um yeah, he went. He went to rehab at Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, you know, and that your child being an addict has such a stigma that sure. you try to hide it. Sure, <laughs> sure. Which which we're trying to change that yes. because Absolutely. we are. That's that's what we've got to do is try to step in and help because mm-hmm. it's. It's such an epidemic in our it country. It is. And, I mean, people think because they're an addict, you shouldn't save them. Right. You know, and it's hard when it's your child. Also, there is there is such an opinion on, on a whole family. You have a, a family member who's an addict. Well, you must be just deadbeat parents and must have been... Must have done everything wrong, mm-hmm. and I know for a fact that that's not true. And you do not look like the what what society has is the picture of a family that has these kind of issues. Right. And it's it. No one is exempt. No one. It doesn't matter if if you're poor as dirt or you're a billionaire. Right. <clears throat> Addiction's addiction. Right. There's no economic. There's not. Mm-mm. So so. The first time that you went into rehab, tell us a little bit about that. Um, well, one thing I loved about rehab while I was there was that they're co-ed. And so <laughs> I always, rehab was always all right with me, you know. There was always, there was always. Hey, this is honesty. No, there was always, honesty, absolutely. There was always women and drugs mm-hmm. in rehab. Wow. So after my first experience in rehab. Um, I was always all right with going to rehab until it came down to, um, you know, once I get there, you know, I feel, um, lonely, um, 
I am a person that is very codependent. Um, I like having um, I like having the things that I have: family, friends, um, you know, um, relationships. Something that I really thrive on is is relationships, you know, and so. Whenever you go to rehab, that was kind of the things that you get there. You know, we all have something in common. Mm -hmm. We're all going through something right now. So we're all able to have a helping hand, you know. And the first one was um, the second I got home, it was was off to the races, you know. Nothing nothing had changed in them. Uh, what, 21 days or something? Something like that, 21 days? That rehab was 21 days? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And and that's 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 the problem, you know. You have these rehabs that are, um, you know, you can, you can have a lot of money and go to a really nice rehab, or you cannot have any money and go to, a, you know, a poor rehab. We, I wish that there was more that we could do to help people that you know, needed, needed the help. You know, I went through a Christian faith-based, um, program called Teen Challenge. Um, it's for adults. It's not actually for teens. Um, you know, and during those. And when did you go to Teen Challenge? Um, 2013, in a 2013. Wiley was, yeah, that's probably about 2013 to 2014. It was 14 months long. Um, you know, and during, during that time, it was, it was really awesome. You know, it was a great time whenever I realized that, um, God loved me and I had a relationship with him and, you know, things were, things were starting to look up. It was a structured program. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was very, it was very good, you know, um, and that, that's something that I, that I really need is, is structure, you know. Um, not so much anymore. I've kind of, you know, here today, I can honestly say that things are different. Right. You know, things are really, you know, I don't know, a, a light bulb came on one day. You know, that's really what happened. You know, I just woke up and realized that something was different. You know, I didn't want that that life anymore. And, uh, you know, but I went to rehab from here to there to here to there to here to there you know i I went to rehab after rehab methadone clinics sometimes we would take him and he'd beat us home (laughs) (laughs) almost Almost. he'd get somebody to pick him up and then he'd be sitting on the porch when you go or he'd hide out in our garage for two days before we knew it so when you got out of teen challenge you got a lot from that but was it just was it back to the races again after that or well, were you starting to realize there was more of a problem after that yeah there was um you know that's whenever that's whenever the codependency really started showing light in my life you know um from a very early age i was somebody that wanted relationships with somebody you know, I wanted what my mom and dad had. I wanted to get married and have kids and, you know, and and, and so I always pushed for a relationship, unhealthy relationships after unhealthy relationships after unhealthy relationships, and they was continued. And, you know, um, it was just, it was horrible, you know. And then I went through Teen Challenge and... And you, you know. did get some hope there because you did see 
for a while, I mean, I'm sure you look back on that time as, because it was a window of hope, because you did have hope when you came out, because right. for a while you did really, really well. And I'm sure that through the years, you look back upon that time, even when you were struggling, because I, I, I know that you have mentioned before that that was a structured time of your life, and yeah. you knew that that structure was making new patterns of your life. It just wasn't something that you could stay in forever. Right. Well, I mean, I now wish that it, it was a program that you could have stayed at. You know, mm -hmm. they have people that stay there and they work and they, mm -hmm. you know, I wish, I now wish that I would have did something like that, but I was really selfish and thought that I had to be home for my daughter. And, mm -hmm. you know, lo and behold, you know, within a year of that, I would find myself in DOC, you know. Um, and then within, you know, a few months after that, I well, I did a I did a treatment. I did a 120 treatment in in prison, and then, um, you know, after that, I was, you know, pretty much back to prison. You know, that's that's what it was. But, you know, my my life was, you know, it was it was pretty much a wreck. You know, I didn't want to see the the truth. I didn't want to listen to nobody. You know, I was. 24, 25 years old, and I just thought that I knew everything, you know. I fixed thought that, yourself. Yeah. How did prison happen? Um, well, I went through I went through Teen Challenge. While I was in Teen Challenge, I got put on uh, probation. Um, so you'd already been in trouble before yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Well, the whole, the whole point in Teen Challenge was, you know, my mom was scared to death, and my son's going to go to prison, you know, mm -hmm. the whole spill that a lot of parents have, mm -hmm. you know, and, um... It's a legitimate fear. Right. <laughs> For sure. And so, um, then I had gotten, I had gotten some trouble, you know, I had caught a possession in a, in a DWI, you know, it was over here in Farmington, I got pulled over, and I mean, I actually, I nodded out in my car is what happened, um, and then I got, I got arrested, and I got booked on a possession and, you know, what they did, 24-hour holds then, something like that, 24-hour holds, and they let you out. And then um, it wasn't but a few months later, I ended up doing a burglary. Um, and then I got charged with that. And then they issued a warrant for my arrest, and I pretty much stayed hit out for a little while. And then I got arrested, and they had found some drugs on me, so therefore I got another possession. Um, and then so their big thing, my mom's big thing was, you know, let's let's get him some help. Mm -hmm. You know, so Teen Challenge was, was the option. Um, a lawyer got me Teen Challenge, so I went to Teen Challenge. Um, while I was there... Um, is whenever my cousin had actually committed suicide. I came home to I, I came home to go to court, correct? I went to court that Wednesday after yeah. he was buried on that Tuesday or something. <clears throat> but I came home to go to court. It was on a Sunday night, and that's the same night that um, my cousin had taken his life. But in that time, I had went to I had went to court and took probation. And so then we, the offer was, you know, I'm in Teen Challenge, so we'll just, you know, we'll just do that. And so I did, did that and got out and was supposed to stay out of trouble. And, you know, I ended up, I ended up getting into trouble again. And, uh, 
you know. So then they gave me a treatment, and then um, I got out of treatment, and um, I tried to pretty much, well, before, pretty much after Teen Challenge to Boonville treatment, I had gotten on Suboxone. I don't know if you know what Suboxone mm -hmm. is, but it's pretty much to help people that are struggling with addiction. It's a good thing if you have somebody that will help you not abuse it mm -hmm. you know somebody that'll help you maintain it somebody that can you know but being adults you know you can't really keep something from me because i am an adult you know and so you can't you know i pretty much have to go get my own medicine you can't okay. go get it for me they i mean they they tried all these things you know my mom and dad tried all these things and then you know it was pretty much to Boonville treatment and then I got out of Boonville and it was um, it was a methadone clinic mm -hmm. I went to a methadone clinic because um, I didn't want to I didn't want to do it anymore I couldn't get back on Suboxone um, so I tried a methadone clinic and the methadone clinic was just a wreck that was probably the worst addiction I've ever had in my entire methadone. life yeah. yeah yeah that was that was um, but it worked. It kept me off the streets, you know, it kept me working with my dad and, you know, pretty much kept me asleep in my lap 24-7, mm -hmm. you know, which is what I wanted. So, um, you know, and then it, on top of that, it got me out of my skin and got me, you know, active with people and, you know, acting really uh, stupid at times. Huh? And uh, so then it was met. I did meth for the very first time I was. And when was this, when you first did meth? When I was 25. 25. Yeah, yeah, I was 20. I was... So it was heroin and pills before then? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. It went from um, pain pills to Oxycontin to heroin. That's, mm -hmm. that's, how, that's, that's how it went, you know. And, um, and then I did meth for the very first time. I was 25. Um, and then pretty much I just got really, you know, that's just got me really weird you know i thought that the cops were always out to get me and, i was you know, to say did you kind of feel at that point did you uh kind of get to the place where you felt like you had lost hope or or yeah, how, yeah. doubting yourself that yeah. you could ever ever be free or ever uh be who you really know that god wants you to be well, and created you to be yeah most definitely i definitely had given up at that point that's whenever you know i really just gave up. I was never the person that just gave up and never went home and never talked to my mom, never talked to my dad, didn't see my daughter. For these six months was a time when I never stepped foot in my own home. I never called and talked to my daughter a handful of times. I spent my life with in a relationship, you know, an unhealthy relationship. Was she the one that got you into the mat? Um, no... I can't really say that. Might have maybe been the, you know, the reason behind it, but, you know, um, yeah, I can't really, I can't really say that. Um, Choices we make at, right. at times when mm -hmm. we we put ourselves in vulnerable positions, right? Mm -hmm. And and because this was a journey that that you had been on, yeah. Uh, we're going to. Uh, we're going to wind this part down here in just a moment. And we're going to come back for part two in just a little bit because I know that the listeners out there are going to want to hear more uh, from you guys. Uh, because 
they're hurting people everywhere we turn. Some addiction in their life. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit in the next program. We're going to talk about where you're at right now. We want to we go just a little bit farther into what has happened in the last few years of your life and where you're at right now and what uh, God is doing in your life and the change that is happening. And we know that every day, we take it one day at a time here, but uh, we don't want the listeners to think that Cole is not doing well because he spoiler is. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. But he is on a journey, and it's not an easy journey. Uh, but we're going to uh, get into that a little bit next time. But before we close this, this particular session, I, I would like, there was a couple of things I picked up on, and uh, I would really like for, for you to respond to, and you did. Something that you said earlier, and uh, as parents, it really hit me, and I'm sure it hit Tiffany. And I know so many parents that we talk to, you know, uh, that we come in contact with, that you said that your parents, because they loved you so much and they wanted you to be okay, we become enablers because it's so hard to really have that tough love. And I've watched some of my family members that I that so dearly, they're having to give tough love right now. And it's so hard. But, but Mom, would you respond to that just a little bit before we close this, this it, session? Giving tough love is hard. It's real easy to say. And I said it a million times, he does this again, I'm, I'm done. I've um, testified to that you statement. Can. I've heard it. You can. A couple of times. Um, probably... The thing for me, too, I probably could have had a little bit tougher love, but he had a child. And so for our granddaughter, um, you know, we moved her mom in with us also because we wanted to know that Miley would be taken care be of safe, and yes. be safe. And um, they both were in drugs, into drugs. And so... Um, Having Miley in the mix just really that complicated things because I could not allow for them to have her somewhere else. So we so had you to, stepped in. So we had them Absolutely. in our home and yes. we <laughs> dealt with those, a lot. Those were those were yeah. tough days. But it, it it's hard, um, you know, when it's your child and you love them and to do tough love and. Um, you know, because that biggest fear, you know, I lost, you know, a nephew that committed suicide. And I since have had another nephew that has um, lost his life. He OD'd. Um, so it's hard to make that tough love because you may not see your child again. And then that's your last yes. thought. So what a seesaw of emotions for parents. And, and you have to take your hat off to parents that that walk the journey uh, because that's what you've had to do in spite of the fact that yes sometimes you were enablers mm -hmm. because that's you know some things you probably would have done differently oh absolutely uh, <laughs> but we don't get that chance to we, no we, you do not you know we only get one trip around <laughs> yeah but we can learn and hopefully yes. we can help someone else because you guys 
uh, Tracy and Jennifer are amazing parents. Thank well, the you. strength that's sitting at this table is something to be amazed at. Yes. And, and they don't under—they know that they're strong, but they don't understand their own strength because mm -hmm. I've been really close to the situation because they're dear friends of mine. And these two have just, they're champions. They just are. Yes. And they've <clears> never <throat> given up hope. That's the thing. Even though never. there were times where it seemed a little hopeless, mm -hmm. they never gave up hope. Tracy, ending remarks here before we close this. The off. hardest times was on Sundays. And you know that. Tell us why. We would hang out with Lou and Tiff mm -hmm. Sundays after church. Mm -hmm. And it was always like it was his worst day and you would get a phone call or you would get a text from somebody else that he put something on Facebook that and Sundays were horrible and I don't know why a Sunday but when we kicked him out the first time he would call and say dad I'm hungry I would say okay where are you at and I would go pick him up we would go through McDonald's, get him something, and he would eat it while he was in my car. Because you would, wouldn't give him money. Right. Yeah, I'll feed you, but I won't back, pay you. Right. And I would I take him that. back to where, to wherever he was staying. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was hard. Yes. Can't even imagine. Can't even imagine. But we've what a journey. Know, we've a had journey, things yeah. built outside. Tents, in the backyard. Yeah. You know. So, all of the <laughs> listeners out there, I know they want to listen to part two. I know without a doubt. I do. And uh, Absolutely. And so, uh, until next time, uh, we will be, we want to pray, though, before we close. We really do, because there are listeners, there are parents out there, there are people, Cole, that can't wait to hear what has happened in your life that is changed in what God is doing and so we want to pray for those that are listening that something that was said there's some hope because that's what the enemy always tries to steal from us is hope and so we're going to pray Chris would you pray today over the listener and over this broadcast before we leave Heavenly Father we just come before you in Jesus name and we just thank you God for all of our listeners Lord and God as they've heard um, just the first half of Cole's story, God, that, um, that they have hope in their hearts, God, and they know, Lord, that um, they're human, their kids are human, God, and, and these are all things that we really do struggle with, but God, that there is hope, God, and that you just fill their hearts with hope, and um, you just protect our listeners and, and give them guidance and everything they need, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Until the next time that we gather around the table, uh, may the peace of God rule and reign in your heart and your lives. God bless you.